Hey everybody, it's Mrs. Roseman. I am back with some feedback um, from week two, chapter two. This week we really dive deeply into biological psychology, um, focusing on the idea that um, every thought, feeling, and behavior that we have and all the meaningful change that we can measure, um, we can also connect that back to what's happening in our brains, right? Um, I wanted to highlight just a couple of quick things, um, themes here. First of all, everyone did really well on the Ed Puzzle videos, and I've um, been pleased to hear that a few folks have really found those helpful. Um, I wanted to add in one quick note. Um, in the Ed Puzzle video in particular that went over the structure of the neuron, I had a few folks ask about the difference between Schwann cells versus glial versus myelin. And for the purposes of this course, it's just important to understand that the myelin sheath, um, which wraps around and insulates the axon, providing um, nourishment and speeding up um, the signals and communications that come down the axon, um, it's actually made up, the sheath itself, that kind of insulating layer, of a variety of different types of cells, including glial cells. Um, so just to minimize confusion there, um, you should really focus on um, the myelin and its role in, um, in the neuron's function. Um, great job as well looking through um, some of the specific case studies, for example, looking at multiple sclerosis and the kind of deterioration of the myelin sheet that happens, slowdown of the signal, and how that impacts, um, how that impacts behavior over time. I wanted to also um, just jump in to um, a quick question about the video on the, um, the different types of imaging techniques. Um, you won't have to know um, too many specifics, but I hope that many of you get the chance to explore more um, in other courses about the ways in which we can really um, see brain activity in real time. So in particular, um, you read about functional MRIs and um, the and you, and you saw in the video that even during a very specific task, like um, solving a math problem, uh, we could actually look at the different um, regions that are involved actively in allowing you to, um, to solve that, that, that puzzle. So pretty neat. Uh, moving on to the Flipgrid forum, I haven't quite finished responding to everybody, but um, I've gotten um, a, a, a lot of text responses. So um, just be sure to check your email. The feedback from Flipgrid goes directly, um, directly to your student email, um, and check your grades a little, a little later on. Um, I wanted to just kind of dive in and let you know that um, I was uh, really encouraged to see that many of you enjoyed the case studies, like I did. Um, you were really captured by um, the different characters, including um, Ben and his echolocation abilities, as well as. Um, Phineas Gage, and um, some of the different kind of insights that you could gain from those case studies. Just a quick reminder, and many of you mentioned this um, in passing as well, that um, these case studies, they are really powerful for capturing our interest and providing a narrative, but they are, of course, limited. Um, so anytime you see um, a connection between the brain and behavior, um, in one individual or a very small population, you shouldn't generalize, right? Um, it could be that what's going on with that individual wouldn't happen at a, at a, at a whole population. 
level. Um, one way that psychologists get around that is by looking at themes across different case studies. Um, for example, particularly when it comes to um, case studies of brain injury and recovery, um, looking at the reorganization and the plasticity that are involved um, in, in some of that recovery. Um, if you go on to take a developmental psychology course, you may get to explore a little bit of that towards the end of the lifespan as well, looking at recovering from um, different types of injuries, um, looking at recovering from strokes, for example, and recovering function, um, what that looks like at the level um, at the level of the brain, which is just um, inspirational. <laughs> I find all of this um, very, very fascinating. Um, I will say too that if um, brain science isn't your favorite topic that we've studied so far, hang on tight because we are about to jump into topics that are far more applicable to your um, to your lived experience. And a way you can really help make some of this um, brain science stick is by applying it. Um, to your everyday life, coming up with examples that apply to you and your family and your um, your experiences. So um, many folks um, have shared fun examples with me of ways in which they committed the um, brain regions, um, particularly regions like the hippocampus versus the hypothalamus versus the cerebellum um, versus all the different lobes and their functions, how they committed those to memory. Um, I had one student um, who was a former dancer and shared with us that um, she caused the cerebellum, the mm, cerebellarena. <laughs> and in her mind, um, she connects um, her, you know, um, knowledge of that, that regions of the brain and its um, importance in balance um, with an image of, um, of a dancer of a ballerina. That's really powerful to think about. Um, and just a reminder that when you're trying to commit information to memory, any active processing and connection to um, yourself, examples from your lived experiences will really help info stick with you. Speaking of, you do need to make sure <laughs> that um, some of that information, particularly about different brain regions, different parts of the neuron and what they are best adapted for, um, all of that will be covered in our um, in our first exam on chapters one through four during week five. Um, so if you do have questions or um, want to reach out with um, some different um, requests for resources, please do so. Email me, stop by office hours, or even make an appointment through the booking system. All right. And... One more quick note in the learning activity. Again, the scores were really strong overall, but just to provide a little bit um, of feedback there, um, there was some slight confusion on the question um, that had to do with impacting vision. Um, most folks chose um, correctly the occipital lobe, and um, other folks chose the thalamus. And um, I just wanted to make a quick distinction here. The thalamus is... Um, a region of the forebrain, right? But it's actually below the cortex. And its role is to direct sensory information to the right higher level area of the cortex. So the thalamus helps to direct visual input to the back of the brain in the occipital lobe. Um, doesn't really do the processing itself. It's just more like a traffic director, right? And that might help you to understand the distinction there. Um, between the processing that's going on in a region like the thalamus, just directing information to higher level 
um, cortex as opposed to um, the visual cortex itself in the occipital lobe, um, really being able to um, interpret and process that, that information. All right, um, another quick note here, um, also around um, kind of a point of confusion. I noticed that a few folks um, were a little bit confused between the cerebellum and the motor cortex and something that might be helpful um, to understand. The cerebellum is in the hindbrain, the most ancient evolutionarily conserved associated with survival section of our brain. And it does control balance um, and in many ways, left-right motor coordination, but it's not under our conscious control. So it involves um, a level of um, motor coordination, again, that, that we can't necessarily choose. <laughs> it is not under our voluntary control. The motor cortex, on the other hand, which is part of our frontal lobe, right? Part of that um, most relatively recent, higher functioning area of our brain, um, it's involved in conscious forms of control. So voluntary um, movements that we can take, right? Um, um, something we choose to do, like for example, pick up the coffee cup right in front of me right now. Um, if I made the conscious intention to do that, my motor cortex would be involved in helping to, um, to allow that, that action. Um, if other examples would be helpful to you um, after you've read through feedback in the learning activity on the quiz um, and um, in the ed puzzles as well, please don't hesitate to um, to get in touch with me because I am happy happy to work with you individually again in office hours or to answer questions via email. All right, my last challenge for you is to connect everything you're learning this week about consciousness and sleep back to the brain. Enjoy. Thank you.